Welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. My name is Matt Markstone, and whether this is your first time listening or you have been a subscriber since episode one, I appreciate you taking the time to to tune in. Uh, if you haven't subscribed to the show and you're simply downloading every episode, looking for it on Twitter, you can subscribe to the feed on iTunes. ACAST, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're looking for it on a specific app and you can't find it, let me know, and I'll do my best to uh, help you out. So uh, on today's show, uh, we have titled it Not As Planned, simply because uh, this episode didn't really come together as I had hoped. And I feel like I've said that uh, a couple of times over, over the past few weeks. But on today's episode, we have two guests for you, two separate interviews. Uh, we will have the second half of the interview with the author, father, public relations guy, and, and, and so much more, Mark Sanderson. That will be the second half of this show. And if you missed episode 10, you missed the beginning of that interview, go back and listen. Uh, we talk about him writing the book and his process of writing the book and also his training for the upcoming marathon, half marathon, and 10K being held in Southampton where he is working uh, to, to raise some, some money for the Saints Foundation. So uh, be sure to check that out. That's episode 10 with Mark Sanderson. Uh, the second half of our interview with Mark will be uh, the second half of this show. And there we talk more about the club in general. Keep in mind that that was recorded prior to uh, the Tottenham match. So there is some talk of Tottenham towards the end, but uh, just kind of keep it all in context. We were kind of thinking uh, uh, bigger picture, not simply uh, one game. And to kick off this episode, we have Alan Gunn. You can find him on Twitter at A underscore G-U-N-Z-Y. That's A underscore Gunzy. And Alan does a bunch of things. One of those things is he runs the social media for um, St. Mary's Musing. Alan's a lot of fun to follow. Uh, he will he will engage with you, uh, you know, for longer periods of time than, than you would imagine. And uh, he overall is just a a fantastic person to kind of to kind of talk to. So he's been on the show before, way back in episode six. So if you would like to hear more from him, you can go back and check out episode six. Of course, keep in mind that uh, you know matches have happened since then. So you know. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, the original idea was not to talk to Alan this week. The idea was that I had the main part of the show already recorded with Mark. And since I was going to be traveling, I kind of wanted to uh, to keep it that way because it, 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 it makes it difficult to, you know, I was at a conference. The, the hours are weird. Add in the fact that we in the United States have already done uh, our spring forward and many places around the world haven't done it yet. So the time is even is even more different than, than normal. And, and, and because of all of that, the idea was that I was going to use the interview with Mark and I was going to watch the Southampton match at an establishment. So um, Sunday morning, the, the conference is over Saturday, late Saturday night. Uh, I get up Sunday morning. I drive. I leave somewhere between 4.45 and 5 o'clock from my hotel. And as I'm driving up up back towards my house, I have the plan to stop at the Fox and Hounds pub in Los Angeles and watch watch the match. And so that's where I watched the EFL Cup final. Um, it was packed, and I kind of just assumed it would be the same. And I had contacted them and asked, you know, hey, is it okay if I come in and record? And I was planning on picking up maybe 5, 10, 15 minutes of 
of audio, uh, just asking some people about the about the club, what their predictions were for the match, what uh, then you know checking in at halftime and then after the game, maybe with two or three people, just just to kind of see. And I didn't really care if they were Tottenham fans or Southampton fans. I just kind of wanted to get a, a feel for for some stuff and then do something a little bit different because that is part of you know what uh, I'm trying to do. I don't I don't want to ever sit here and do uh, the entire show kind of kind of by myself. So anyway, I show up at the uh, at the bar uh, about 6:50, 6 6:45, a.m. and I walk in and it's it's pretty much empty. Somebody yelled or said like, you know, I've never seen that kit in here before and they were talking about me. No other Southampton fans in there. Um and so I look around, there's some Manchester United fans that are hanging out still. There's a guy getting ready for the Liverpool match and, you know, you got to get ready early. You know, 6:50 a.m your match isn't for another, you know, two hours, go you. Um, and I kind of started asking some questions and, and nobody was interested in being interviewed for the podcast. Um, so it kind of left me in a, in a, in a weird spot, uh, between six fifty and seven fifteen, I managed a, a, a few, a few pints and, uh, we just kind of sat around and talked, but no, once again, that nobody was interested in, in recording the audio. So the whole kind of plan was kind of thrown out the window and I didn't really know what to do. And then you top that off with the, the start to the match that we had conceding the goal early on, uh, which Alan and I will talk about. Then you, you have Gabby Adini going off and then you just have, I, I overall was fairly frustrated just with, with, uh, with everything, but put it all in perspective. It's not really that bad. I was having pints at, at seven o'clock in the morning, uh, talking to some people watching football. It was all, it's all good. But at the time I was not super, super stoked on what was happening. So, um, anyway, uh, fast forward, uh, I get home later that day. It's my mother-in-law's birthday. I have no chance to do anything. I uh, get home late that night, have to go to work Monday morning. And on my way to work, I threw a message out to Alan, said, hey, man, you got some time today. You got, you know, 15, 20 minutes for, for us to, to record something, just talk about the match. And and Alan quickly responded and said, yeah, let's do it. So uh, I took my lunch when I did, and uh, we recorded on my lunch hour. And uh, I could not be more thankful for Alan for doing that. So kind of with that said, uh, let's go ahead and, and get to the interview. So once again, part one, uh, Alan and I will review the Tottenham match. And then part two... Uh, we will get to our interview, our second half of our interview with Mark Sanderson. And once again, I thank you guys all for, for listening and tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the show. We'd like to welcome back to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all the SFC fans, Alan Gunn, uh, on Twitter at agunzy, and you can also usually get a hold of him uh, on the St. Mary's Musings Twitter handle, at St. Mary's Musings. So, Alan, uh, thanks for stepping in, and, and welcome back. Thank you for having me again. Oh, dude, my pleasure. Um, so for everybody, I mean, everybody should know by this point, you know, if they're not following St. Mary's Musings, they should. Um, and there they can find all kinds of stuff about the club. And you guys run, you know, blog and all kinds of other things. And uh, have you guys added anything new since the last time we talked? Or is it all kind of... It's all pretty standard, uh, keeping the same. Um, just trying to be a little bit more different than what everyone else is doing. Um, everyone seems to be pulling out, you know, the you know, starting 11s, who's going to be predicted, you know, full match previews, things like that. So I guess we're just trying to stay away from that. You know, everyone else is, is taking care of that. So we try and do stuff that's uh, a little bit off the beaten track, do some polls that might ruffle some feathers, um, which is always fun. Um, but other than that, we just like to have fun and, and you know, enjoy it. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you and I were going back and forth a little bit the other day. Um, was it about, oh, it was about uh, the Caceres uh that, yeah, that, yeah. I, you know, I, I just threw it up. Who, who do you think would, who would you start? And everybody was going Yoshida Caceres, and you know, we just had a good little conversation about 
about why, and I don't really have an I don't really have an answer. So, yeah, I mean, it's well, it's it's all up to what what Claude wants to do, and um, if, if he wants to stick with with Yoshida and uh, Stevens, I'm 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 not against it. Uh, if he wants to change it up, I'm also not against it. It's uh, it's his decision, and um, you know he's going to hopefully set us up the in the way that's going to give us the best chance to win. So if it's you know Yoshida and Stevens, then we'll stick with that. Over over time, we'll, we'll if Caceres earns his spot, he'll get there. You know. Well, that's exactly it. That's that's with any any person that comes in that's new. Um, they always seem to have to earn their way into the team, and I, I like that. You know, you're not just going to waltz right into the starting eleven, and uh, especially when you've not played in a year. Clubwell's been diligent enough, at least to, you know, at least give Stevens a go. I don't think he's done enough to lose his spot. He's made mistakes, and like I said, youth uh, tends to make more mistakes um, than anyone. Uh, they're more inconsistent than anyone, and it's because they don't have that, you know, you know, veteran intuition on how to handle certain situations and the only way you're going to get that is if they make mistakes in play I, I can't really complain about what stevens has done in the team recently i think him and yoshida both played pretty well and i think uh, at some point we will see caceres we're not seeing everything that's going on in training and stuff like that and you know we see him we see the highlights of the the under 23 game when he plays and he looks good but you know, those are under 23 players and, and no doubt that he has quality, but he's got to build that match fitness and that doesn't come after playing just, just one or two matches. So, Oh, oh yeah, that's a hundred percent. And it's, uh, I mean, we, we obviously we don't know it, like you say, we don't know what goes on. Um, and it's just, I, th- I think Stevens and, uh, Yoshida, they're doing a good job. Uh, the biggest thing is it just, you know, everyone brings up Virgil and they're like, Oh, well, you know, they're not doing this like Virgil did. And it's just, we have to remember that neither of them are Virgil Van Dyke. And, uh, it's, that's the that's the probably the most important thing is to remember they're not him, um, and they're going to be different. And you know we just we can't expect him to be that type of player when they're not. And um, you know they could very well be in a few years, especially Stevens. Um, but we just have to be patient because we don't have him. He's not available, so we can't keep banging on about him. You know, being in the lineup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, were you at all then surprised with the with the, the lineup for the the match against Spurs this weekend, or were you uh, were you kind of expecting that? Well, yeah, that was uh, pretty much as I thought it was going to be. Um, didn't expect us to make any changes since we had a two-week layoff. Um, hadn't heard any injury news, so that's always good um, when players are staying healthy. Um, so, you know, the 11 that came out on the bench, it seemed pretty much standard. Um, it's just going to be interesting to see when, when Charlie Austin, because he's obviously back in training, um, how, how they're going to handle that, especially with um, Gabby Udini now out for however long. Um, so, I mean, that was probably going to be the biggest talking point is who's going to start. Um, cause for me, it's, you know, you want to stick to form, but you also don't want to have someone who's coming back from injury, lose their position, um, because of an injury. So I was pretty much, uh, spot on with the, with the starting 11. I was fine with it. I like it when we're not, you know, changing up too much. Um, and it seems everyone's starting to really click out there um, against, you know, really, you know, good team in Spurs at home. It, it seems like we have maybe the exact opposite uh, problem we had early in the year, which is where we had too many games. We were rotating all the time and now we're not we don't seem to be rotating at all. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's because we have two weeks between games and things like that. But, you know, overall, the only news that came out of the uh, the team this week was, was good news in that, you know, Redmond and Ward Prowse got their their senior call ups. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's, uh, I think Southgate gave a great, you know, reason why. I mean, England managers, they don't give you a reason why or a very logical reason. Um, so when he said that, you know, he's going to bring him up, he's going to let him see, you know, he's gonna, he wants to see how they handle being in that type of senior environment. 
Um, and then he's going to put him back into the uh, under 21s or whatever it is now uh, for the championships. So, I mean, he, he's he's given a really good reason. He wants to see what they can do up there. He wants them to see how they handle being in, a, you know, the senior setup. But he's, you know, understands that they still have some development to, to make up. And I think that's, you know, that's it's really good to hear him, you know, take a chance on some players. Um, them two in particular, because I think that they've done enough at the under 21 level um, to deserve a call up. It's the idea that he's bringing them in, getting them a, you know, a good run out. Hopefully they get some time. Um, and just, just to see how they handle it, I think it's probably the best reason you're going to get from an England manager ever. You know, they can come up and they can see how they fit in with competing against all the guys on that, that England squad that, are, you know, you're going to be going against Kyle Walker and thing every single day in training versus, you know, when you're, when you're going against Matt Target if you're Nathan Redmond, which is nothing against Matt Target, but it's just not, not quite the same level, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I agree there as well. It's just the idea that, you know, you, you can see, well, they definitely, you know, rightly deserve it from their play this year. Uh, Redmond, particularly in the last, you know, since the turn of 2017, he's just been, you know, a completely different player right. out on the left side. Um, and then James Ward-Prowse is finally starting to get some consistency. Um, he's do, you know, he scored from open play yesterday, which is obviously a big deal. Yeah. Um, so it's just one of those things. If he starts to add tools, you know, different tools to his game and becomes more consistent at those, and you know, he's someone that can obviously be very successful with the senior side in England, um, just because you know he, he offers the the set piece, the deliveries, um, and then obviously if he can bring some some good play from open play, then you know it's just more dynamic. And they start to get younger. That team's old, and they're starting to get to that point where they need to get younger and he's one of the you know rising prospects out of the out of the country so i think both him and redmond uh, very well deserve call-ups yeah i was pretty i was overall I, I didn't have any issues with the team selection i'm totally fine with with putting those guys out there especially based on the last performance and if everything kind of is staying the same in training i see kind of no real reason to uh, to change that up but i would have expected a little bit more i guess uh, out of the team when they first kind of when the game started uh, at least from my yeah. perspective, I, it seemed like we started a little slow. Oh, I agree. I think uh, what we can see in what the first three minutes—that's uh, that's never a good start. It was the first three minutes, I think, weren't it? It was early. Was it? Um, I can't. I oh, thought fourteen. Minutes. I thought it was. Yeah, you know, what? 14, I thought it was three yeah. as well. But then when I had to, I had to look back, and it was fourteen. But, but yeah, yeah. So yeah, but I. It just it felt like it though. I mean, it's just I think from the start we were really sluggish. We 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 didn't really you know, they're a team that's very creative. They they've got good players up front, um, and they can break down a defense. So it just feels like they compact a lot in into a very small amount of time. Um, so I mean, it, we did start a little slow. We didn't really see much of the ball, um, which is why when I looked at the stats and it said that they had fifty percent possession. I mean, I was. I thought, you know, obviously the second half helped, but I think they they really dominated the opening 15 minutes, which obviously led to the goal. But yeah, it just seems that you know we we tend to start either really fast and get nothing out of it, and start really slow, and sometimes weather that storm, um, and we just we didn't, and they scored from it. Yeah, and it's almost the exact opposite of the way we started against them last time, where we jumped on them and then couldn't didn't score for about 15, 20 minutes, and then they just kind of pounded us all game. And we, that yeah, was, yeah. we were kind of going through that run where we were doing that a bit and uh, we kind of got away from it recently and we've been playing much better. And then, you know, I think, but I think this is what happens maybe when you don't play a game every week or you don't, you know, it's hard to recreate kind of that, maybe that fervor that the, what's necessary to kind of play out of the gate right away. And, you know, I thought once we grew into the game a little bit, I thought, I thought we played 
uh, very well. Yeah, well, yeah, well, definitely. I mean, it's uh, that's what you hope. You hope, you know, well, you hope you're when you grow into the game, you're not a goal down. Um, but that was just the case. Uh, but I definitely think once, you know, I think I think the play between Tadic and uh, Gabby Dini when he, you know, that's probably when he injured himself. Um, it's just uh, that that's that's a great connection. I saw Tadish talking about it this week. You know, he likes playing with him. I think if they can develop that connection, obviously when he's healthy, um, you know, we look we look dangerous. Um, we create some good chances, but you know, it's just it's hard to play from behind all the time, um, and especially against a good team like Spurs, who's has you know such a good record at home. Um, and if you can get anything out of it, obviously we didn't. But I mean, we we definitely grew into the game, but I think it was a little too late. And then the second half, obviously, we, we played really well. But again, we just, you know, once you get one goal, it took us how long to get the first goal. And uh, we just kind of ran out of time, I think. You, you, I think you alluded to it or you spoke about it earlier. The, the Gabbiadini injury, I think that that was a, that, you know, just came in a kind of a bad time. You know, we give up the goal. Gabbiadini's injured not long after. And then almost immediately after that, we give away the penalty, which puts us down to nothing. And at that point, I just tweeted, like, I don't even know what to say right now. Like, I'm just... Having a, I'm having a bit of a rough morning, you know, uh, and then somebody tweeted like, dude, it's 7 a.m. and you're you're drinking beer. So like you're, you're OK. So yeah, whenever you've got a pint in your yeah, hand, you're all right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that, that penalty looked like there was some miscommunication there um, between Cedric and Romeo trying to clear the ball. And then I think it was Davis who kind of just, you know, clipped Deli Ali, who you can pretty much blow him over. But. Um, I think fair enough. I think it was it was a foul in the box, and that's a penalty. So there it goes. And then, you know, uh, we're down to nothing. Kind of before, kind of know what happened. Well, yeah, it definitely was a penalty. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to argue against it, but he definitely does go down a little bit or you know easily. Um, but I think, like you said, there was some miscommunication. I mean, just whenever you whenever you have a poor clearance, which you know the first attempt was, and the ball's still in the box. I mean, I mean that's just that's bad news. I mean, it's got you know an error written all over it. Something bad's going to happen um, when you can't clear your lines like that. Um, and obviously we got punished for that, uh, duly punished. Um, if, you, if you don't take care of that back line and clear the ball, then you're going to you know, give chances to the other team and they took advantage of it. Um, it's just unfortunate that Gabby Adini had gotten injured right, right then and we're down to 10 men and we can't get Shane Long on. Um, so, I mean, and, and you know, if you think about it the other way, we could have ended up I saw some people arguing, you know, well, we didn't have, we had 10 men and all this. And it's just like, well, we could have gone down and scored with 10 men and you can't really be complaining. So, uh, it works either way and we just got punished for it. And, um, sometimes that just is how it is. And I think, you know, if we had cleared the ball on the first chance, um, then we don't have to talk about the, you know, Cedric, you know, maybe, or Davis giving away the penalty. And, um, it's just bad luck at the end of the day, I think not getting the ball out far enough. Yeah, no, I think I think that that's where the the issue lies. Is it was a poor header, and we did it a couple of times yesterday early on, where it just seemed like that first header went more straight up in the air than than out. You know, um, well that's it. And, and teams like Spurs, that you know, granted they don't have Kane, but they've got other players out there that are you know good quality players. And that's why they're there, um, and that's why they're in the position they're in in the table and at home. Um, that they're going to punish you for those mistakes, and you know we seem to be on. <laughs> That's that's what happens. That's Southampton written all over it. You don't take advantage. You know, you get it. We make one or two mistakes, and teams are going to jump on it. And then going into halftime down to nothing, I wasn't I wasn't feeling great. But then directly out of the after halftime into the second half, we score. You know, seven minutes in, and we look like a completely different team by the start of the second half. 
Well, that's it. I mean, once you, once you get that early goal, that's the thing. Um, obviously, something was said that, you know, you got to get one early. Um, and that's when you're down 2 nil. Going into the second half, you need to get a, a quick goal if you can. Um, and that's, I think it's it's really impressive that uh, James Ward-Prowse was able to get that one in on his uh, left foot, which is not his strong foot. But, um, you know, we, we really pressed him, I think, in the second half. And that's that's how we should have played coming out of the, you know, right from the start of the whistle. That's what you hope. But, you know, we didn't, and we were punished for it. And I think sometimes we play better when we're down. Um, you saw it in the uh, League Cup. We played when, once we went behind, we actually started playing much better. And sometimes we just play better from behind and wakes us up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, sometimes you just need the, the kick to, to, to get it going, you know. Um, and, and like you said, we hadn't played in, you know, two weeks. So I think we, we were really hurt by that. Um, we didn't have the jump that we needed, but that second half, I mean, was completely night and day difference, um, really press him. And it just, it, it felt like that was the team that we had watched, you know, get our wins previously. Um, my, I think I was most impressed with, uh, James Ward Prowse, the fact that he was able to control that ball coming across the box, like chest it down to himself and, and, and get it in there. You know, he just looked, he looked a little bit more confident than I had kind of anticipated him being, because uh, initially when I when they hit first placed him out there um, out wide, I, I wasn't I wasn't excited about it. Um, but he's really kind of earned my respect in that in that in that spot. Oh, I agree. Um, I think it's actually better him out there because then you put Tadic in the middle um, and then you get his crossing ability. Um, right. Because that's what we need. We, we really lack, you know, when we were struggling and not scoring goals, it's because we the service into the box just wasn't where it needed to be. Um, and he's, he's starting to create plenty of chances in the box and taking uh, advantage of his own chances, um, opportunities. And that's, you know, he's, he's obviously become a great player for us at the moment, really consistent. Uh, and so that's why he's getting these England call-ups here. Uh, and, and it's just the idea that he can score from open play now. It's just another tool and another, you know, thing that he can use to his advantage and not just being known as someone who's going to be good from set pieces. Right. And so it's important for him to score like that because uh, it took him obviously so long to get his first goal for Southampton anyways. But now he's starting to find the net and he's starting to find confidence. I think the, the England call up has really given him an extra boost, you know, to go out there and perform so he can maintain that spot and and really challenge Southgate to to continue to include him, you know, in the future. Yeah. Um, I read something that said that, you know, up until this year, until the start of this year, he had only had three goals for the for Southampton total and then this year he scored three so it's like yeah. he's, you know and, and three goals is not by any you know you have defenders who have more goals than that but that that's showing that he is he's playing a lot I think he's playing a lot better and well he's 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 staying he's getting forward which is what it's saying um because sometimes I mean right, you would see right. him try and get forward but he just he didn't have the he was young so he was he wasn't reading certain things he you know, he might have made the wrong pass here, wrong move there. Um, but it says that he's getting himself forward and into dangerous positions, and that's what you want from a, an attacking midfield player like him, uh, especially when he's now on the wing. Um, he's got to get, you know, around the, what is that, the left back over there. Right. Um, and he's got to get around him and put the ball in the box or, you know, cut in, and it's something that he's more than capable of doing. Uh, it's just, you know, doing it more consistently uh, and, and, you know, because he's got the skill to do it, that's for sure. 
and that's that's what it says when he's scoring goals or when anyone's scoring goals it just means that they're you know getting forward better um to be in dangerous positions and he's finding open areas in the box and it's just he'll, he'll, his goals will go up i mean that's not his first you know thing his first thing is always going to be set pieces and deliveries you know from the wings but if he can you know find a goal like davis every now and again that's just you know it strengthens the squad yeah i i think i think uh i think ward prowse is great and i think the fact that you know Puel's kind of recognized him as somebody that needs to be in the squad and you know was willing to try him out on the wing and you know let him learn a little bit i think it's been great because i think him and redmond they are not the same player by any means uh their skill sets are different but they they both will cause defenses to worry about them you know for oh yeah and they, they do it in different ways like you say um redmond's obviously got his pace um ward pass has got some pace as well but he does it differently you know ward ward pass is looking for people to pick someone out in the middle whereas redmond's looking to hopefully create from because he's he's able to finish he's able to score when he can obviously um so it's just it's good to have two different skill sets on opposite wings um and i guess you can intermittently change them but i would rather see redmond always on the left right right <laughs> Um, so after, after the goal, uh, the game, I, I, I the game was pretty even. I, I thought there were periods of, of time where we were on top. I thought Tottenham did a good job, uh, kind of limiting us, uh, and preventing us from maybe having a really clear cut chance. Um, but I think that says, and I've read that it's, it says a little bit more about how they defend than how we were attacking. We, I don't think we were at fault, uh, for not really being able to create a lot of clear cut chances. Um, because for much of the second half, they were kind of defending two banks of four and they were, they were, they looked like they had practiced that they were ready to do that. Uh, I think they made good substitutions. Um, and, and, you know, long was offside a couple times, several times, uh, to the point when I was frustrated, but if you really look at it, like he only needs to be on side once to, to cause him an issue. And, and we weren't really able to create another chance. So. Well, I, I agree. It's uh, I, I think that Spurs, when they when they want to defend like that, when they need to just hunker down and, and protect the lead, there, you know, that's that's what keeps you at the top of the table. That's what keeps you in the top five. You know, competing for those places. Um, and obviously, Pochettino is someone that you know we know very well, and is someone that is tactically very smart. Uh, he's maybe not been, you know, at his best this season uh, in certain games. Uh, and he's been, you know, properly criticized for it. But when he is, you know, set on when he is setting up his team to win and to defend, I think, you know, he's one of the best. Um, and they've got they've got a good back line. That's a very experienced back line. And they, you know, I mean, like you said, Long was off sides a few times. Uh, and I think it was just him being a little too eager trying to get around. It, it definitely frustrated us. Uh, so once once that goal happened, we played really well. Um, Sometimes you just can't find the second goal after the first when uh, the team's just trying to defend the lead. Yeah, and I think that that just kind of sums it up. I thought we had, I thought we did have a, a one shot for a penalty. Was that the one before the half? Was that when Tadic got his leg chopped off? Yeah, yeah, that that one. God, I mean, it's if they're gonna give, I guess if you if you want you want referees to be consistent, and if they're gonna give the one to Deli Alley, then it's uh, you know I could see him giving it, and I can also see why he didn't, but it's you know it's. Hit or miss. You're going to get some. You're not going to get some. And we just didn't get one. And easily could have been given. Uh, it's just who's going to take it then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and at that point, you know, it just felt like things weren't quite going our way. And it doesn't really do us any good to look back and go like, oh well, if whatever. But like, like you said, well, halftime halftime came at a really good good time for us. I think. Yeah. yeah. 
that's that 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 can definitely be said. It's not that we weren't creating anything or that they were creating a lot against us. But like you said, the decision kind of went against us a little bit. You could have given it, didn't get given either way. But I think halftime really arrived at a good time. Um, really just reset, especially from the Gaviadine injury, um, right. being a forced substitution. And I mean, it's just, we're, I'm just kind of hoping that, you know, people give Long a bit of a chance for Rodriguez because we don't, we still don't know how far Austin has left to go in his recovery. Right. And, and I mean, we all remember what we were like when it was Long and Rodriguez. We would get a few goals here and there, and it was just, and we were trying, you know, so hard to score and we weren't. So I don't want to, you know, dwell on it too much in terms of right, right. You know, putting a lot of pressure on them or hoping Austin comes back soon. Because, um, I mean, you know, Long scored plenty of goals last year. It's just not gone for him this year. Right, and we might see, you know, a, another change in the formation based on, on who we have available because we didn't really move to this uh, current formation until, or under Powell at least, until we had Gabbiadini. So uh, we're going into an international break, which is always, I, I don't know how I feel about them usually. Um, you know, USA has got some big games coming up, so I, I will watch those, but maybe it's a good time for our squad. We're going to have Redmond and, and James Ward-Prowse go off and get their England call-ups and, and maybe they will get some game time and, and, you know, be forced to mature a little bit. And then, um, at the same time, maybe Gabbiadini pulls out of the Italy squad and, and gets some injury, uh, you know, rehab. Uh, uh, so we don't, maybe, maybe we don't, you know, don't really miss him for very many games, but we don't really know yet. Yeah, we don't know. I don't think anyone said what it is, but I'm assuming that it's groin. He was obviously, you know, in that area. It could be something hamstring or quad. I mean, it's just anywhere in that area. And you never know with those types of types of injuries how long it's going to be. It could be two two weeks, four weeks. You just never know. Um, but I think the biggest thing is, uh, you know, for for Ward Prowse and Redmond to go off and, and, like you said, get some good experience and and see how they how they do out there and hopefully come back with even more confidence than when they left. Like you say, I'm not a huge fan of the international break. It's just, I mean, I, I like international football, but it's not something that I'm, you know, going to stop and watch Spain play like Azerbaijan or something. No, no. You know, on a on a Thursday evening. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, USA's got some important matches that I, I will definitely watch. But other than that, it's, it'll be background background music for me. But. Um, <laughs> I guess the biggest thing with, with the international break is obviously Bufal's got to go off, and he's been maybe I think it's a good time for him to go off because he he had a bit of a stinker yeah. um, on Sunday. Needless to say, um, he's just he someone's got to pick his head up. He's 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 a good player, you know. He's got lots of skill, lots of talent on the ball, but it's just he's he's got to find time, you know, the right time to use it and the right time to use his teammates as well. Um, and like I always say, I always go back to Ramirez and they're similar players and they're skillful players. You know, they, you know, they can win games on their own if they need to. Um, but it's just, it's just sometimes saints don't have enough pieces to work with them. And I think Gabby Adini was one that could have worked with them. And it's just, if Gabby Adini's healthy and Buffalo's healthy, can they play together at the same time, you know, on, you know, get on at the same time and play like that. Because um, for some reason, I always feel like Southampton properly misuses our skillful players. Okay. And it's uh, people can say this or that, but that's one of the areas I think you know we we tend to you know let ourselves down on is we spend good money on these players and they they can be you know good for us in the long run and win a few games, score a few you know blinders of a goal, but you know can they do it? you know, when they're, when they have to be a part of the squad. All right. Well, um, 
I don't know. You got any plans for the national break? You doing anything special? No. <laughs> Watch some golf, maybe. All right. All right. Um, hopefully we get some good news about Gabby Dini and all of our our international guys come back healthy. No, that's what you want, and you just want to have uh, – well, I guess I probably will tune in to see if, if Ward-Prowse and, and uh, Redmond get some game time. It'd just be interesting to see how they handle it. Um, I don't even know who they're playing, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's, 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 that's probably what, I mean, that's, that's how much I care about the international break, if I'm honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm there with I you. just, I, I think, uh, I, I think I'll be interested to see how they do, um, see, see what they do, you know, in training. I think England does a good job at, like Southampton, at showing off, you know, training videos and things like that. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle themselves and, you know, if they can, you know, put forth a good performance if they get five minutes or, you know, 90 minutes. Yeah. Because um, I think they're both more than capable of playing at that level when they're at their best and, you know, definitely deserved. And, you know, hopefully they can, you know, fly the flag well for Southampton. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I appreciate it. No problem. I'll let you get back to your uh, fun day of work. Oh, yes, yes. All right, man. Take care, and I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. You have a good evening. You too. All right. Bye. bye. And thank you, Alan, for joining the show, especially on such short notice. Uh, I, I am truly grateful uh, to you, and thanks for making me laugh and I, even you know changing my perspective on the match just just a bit. I'll be honest that when I left uh, the bar that morning, I was not in a good mood. I had not felt that we played very well. Uh, but the more I kind of sat back and thought about the second half and I actually rewatched portions of the match, it was very clear that we, we made huge adjustments at halftime, maybe not tactically, but... Uh, the attitude uh, was much different coming out for the second half. And we just, you know, we just couldn't quite get there, but we played much better. And I think there's a lot to be kind of proud of about, about uh, the second half and the the way we performed. And uh, like Alan and I said, I think this, this uh, international break is coming at a good time. Gives Gabby Adini some time to rest. He's since pulled out of the, uh, of the Italian squad. And so now he has time to rest and recover. uh, And guys like Redmond and Prowse have a chance to, to go and, uh, maybe learn some things and come back with uh, maybe a little bit more confidence, even though Redmond's playing with some right now and, and Ward Prowse had the goal on, on Sunday. So overall, I think, I think this is going to work out just, just fine for, for, for the team. So I'm kind of looking forward to it and moving forward with the show, we're going to now have the second half of our interview with Mark Sanderson. Uh, once again, if you missed the interview with Mark Sanderson in episode 10, you can, you can go back and listen about him writing the book and getting ready for the marathon, half marathon and 10K being held in Southampton later uh, this this spring. And uh, here Mark and I are going to talk more generally just about the club because that's really why what brought us together in the first place is, you know, I'm doing the podcast about the club and he is is a fan and, and has written about the club and it was just a good chance to, to kind of get that out there. So it jumps right in once again. This was in the middle of our conversation and we've kind of, you know, hopefully put it together well. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. So uh, once again, if you don't follow Mark Sanderson on Twitter, you can. It's at Bobby Stokes book. Last thing before we get to that interview with Mark, I'd like to remind you to check out the We Are Southampton page on Instagram and thank Matt for developing the logo for the show. Matt has also appeared on the show, although it's not really appearing if you're just talking or maybe it is an appearance. I, I am not sure. But anyway, if you would like to hear more from Matt, you can check out episode seven uh, where we talked about the team, but also be sure to check out his page on Instagram. It's at We Are Southampton. There are match polls, edits, competitions and much much more so be sure to check out we are southampton on instagram and now here's our interview with mark sanderson enjoy 
aside from the book, um, yeah. How how do you feel? How are you feeling about about the club this year? Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, I, again, I don't go as often as I'd like. You know, family life, young kids, but I'm always keeping contact with the game, at least on the radio. You see, you're on Twitter, Matthew. You, you see, there's sort of two camps of fans. There's people who are like positive, yeah, it's great, and there's others who are like, do you know what? I'm still not happy because we do sell our best players. How ambitious are we? And I think the problem is there's there's a lot of stuff we're not privy to. Yes, the club document a lot of things on social media, and it's great. You know, take Jose Font as an, as an example. We don't know what really happened. It would appear to generalise that, you know, he, you know, what is he, he's in his 30s, he wants a big last payday, and we probably didn't give it to him, so he took another contract with another club. I haven't actually got a problem with that. You know, it is a short career. Yeah. It, it is a short career, so I haven't, I haven't got a problem with that. I, I, I think... When fans look at anything in football with black and white, it's, it's dangerous. I think I was really, it was fantastic to get to a major cup final. Devastated we lost, but really pleased how the way we played. I'd just like us to um, to make that part of the club's DNA. Like We really want to go after the cup competitions because I, I really think that there's not a better time, an easier time to win them, whereas clubs pick and choose their, their players. I mean, we know why. I mean, I read something the other day, and I didn't actually realise this, quite naive, but I think this is correct. I think when Arsenal won the, the FA Cup in 2014, the prize and TV money totaled, like, I think 4.2 million. But their prize money for their Premier League end position and Champions League money totaled something like 120 million. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of guess why teams aren't putting a priority in their knockout competitions. For me, the argument would be, that surely if you if Saints win a, a cup, it's a great way to market yourself to get better players. You can't just hang it on the fan angle like, oh, it's a great day out for the fans because that's not going to cut it in a business world. But right. if you're looking to get a bigger global fan base, I know Ralph Kruger, the you know, Saints uh, sort of CEO guy, he's, he's looking at doing a lot of stuff in the Saints. I think the club were in Baltimore, weren't they, in one of the breaks or pre-season? Yeah, if, you've yeah. Got, if you can say, yeah, we beat, we beat Man United in the cup, that's a great opening line, isn't it? Any business, if you want to do any any deal, any sponsorship deal, bring any player, that's got a, you might not get the initial prize money, but surely that carries a huge, a huge uh, leverage there. So, I just hope, uh, I hope we can we can get back to Wembley soon. Um, it would be fantastic for the city where I work now. In it's near it's near the city. There's only a few of us actually from born and bred from Southampton. And they're not all sports fans. And I was trying to explain to them prior to the League Cup. I said, if we win this, you, you, it'll really be a surprise to you. Because when, when Saints won the FA Cup in 1976, there's like 250,000 people on the streets. You know, it'd be a massive deal. So it would be it would be a, a real spectacle. And I, I think people, I think even the club would be surprised how many people actually care, give a damn about it as well. So just hoping it's not too long. Because, you know, when we had Ronald Koeman as manager few years back it was it was great you know finishing high it's great finishing high up the league what were we sick last year it's fantastic uh-huh. and it shows progress i personally i'll take mid-table and a cup win every day every day of the week get that glory you know yeah it's not as good for the for the books but we're always going to be selling players i mean ronald kuman has gone to everton there was talk of uh barcelona looking for a new manager Luis Enrique feeling the pressure. Right. And then all of a sudden his name crops up um, because he used to play for them. And now naturally 
the point being there is that Everton have sort of nicked him off us. But then he's probably going to go somewhere else. For us, what I'm pleased about the Saints is since we've come back to the Premier League, we've managed to carve out a bit of an identity in terms of good recruitment, getting players in, and also bringing players through the youth ranks. It amazes me that, I don't, I don't know the, what's involved, but it amazes me more clubs aren't able to do that, to have a really good academy and bring players through. Not just good players, but it would appear kind of reasonably well-adjusted human beings who don't just uh, totally lose their mind when they get paid a big wage in the Premier League. So that's... I think there's a lot to be proud of. I think I think the club do a good job in marketing to fans. There's a good positive vibe there as well. So it, it can it, it can change at any time because fans naturally they can get upset. And a lot of the guys who you know they, it's their life. You know they pay a lot of money to watch them home and away. You know they they want to see some progress. But I think if if you looked at the beginning of the season where we are now, I think all fans would take that. Anything they change to result or Wembley, but what can you do? Yeah, you know, for me, I have to I have to remind myself that I am, you know, I'm a fan and I and I love the the team and I you generally on a Saturday morning uh, when my kids get up, if we've played the early game, they know whether we've won or lost because I'm you know I'm either in a good mood or or, or you know a little sour, um, <laughs> and a lot of times because I I'm up and I watch the matches generally before everybody's awake. And uh, I have to just kind of remember that, you know, some, some of these, some of these people are, are traveling, you know, from Southampton to Manchester or Southampton to, to, to London or, or, uh, you know, over to, over to Swansea city and is they are really investing, you know, time and effort and energy and, and they kind of have a little bit of a different perspective because although I, you know, I put energy into it, getting up at 4am and watching a match is, is a lot different than getting up and, and leaving your house at six or whatever and, and setting off for a, a noon or a three o'clock kickoff in, in, in Manchester or London. So, um, yeah, they're definitely, they're definitely the lifeblood, but I think but at the same time, I think it is cool. There are fans around the world. I love the idea of people like you listening to the, or watching the games in California. I think that's very cool. And a lot of stuff came out of the cup final of people around the world, you know, Vancouver and New York, California, and there's a big saints following Dubai. And I think that's great. I think you've got this global community. Yeah. Yeah. Overall, I think that the club's going in the right direction in terms of, uh, you know, we, I think we played, we kind of peaked in that cup final. I think we played very, very well there. And, you know, since then we've kind of continued that we've, the matches that we've played, I couldn't be happier with how the team is performing. I'm okay with kind of going like, play the best you can. If you get unlucky and you, and you lose a match, oh, well, cause I don't, sure. cause I'm not quite convinced that we're in a, you know, a relegation battle where we're sitting, you know, mid table. And I think we're kind of safe. And I just rather us continue to play really good, good football. Uh, and we're going to have some tough matches, but I, I think we're, we're up for it, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, I, um, it's, I'm, you know, it's important to take a step back sometimes and have a bit of a reflection. If you look, if there was like, um, like some sort of illustration or video diagram of how our team has changed over the last three, four years and how we've, we've, we're like some sort of superhuman who's managed to, we've lost, We've lost Ricky Lamb, we've lost a lung, we've lost uh, Schneider, we've lost a liver, and we've managed to somehow regenerate regenerate and, and replace those. Um, okay, when we lost Pella and Mane, that, that was tough to replace those. I think getting Gabbiadini in has been fantastic, but I, that's, I think that's been amazing, you know, how we've, how we've done that. And we always get 
we always get flagged for a oh, don't seem to do this well. But that always follows by followed by hey, here's the latest Southampton fire sale. I mean, I heard the, the song about Gabbiadini is you know. I don't know if this is the official second verse, and I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's from Saints fans making the joke that, uh, you know, his next move is to Liverpool, with their feeder club. Um, I think I, I think we, it's something to be proud of, the way we've somehow been able to regenerate. I know some people don't like that. They think, ah, oh, Les Reed, geez, he's had all that money sitting in his back pocket. Why isn't he, why didn't he get Font replaced? Van Dyke got injured, or why didn't he replace... Pella and, and Mane, I mean, I, I don't care if people say, oh, you're being a bit too pragmatic, but I think, you know, we don't know the ins and outs of of, of, of what's happening. And I dare I say, I, I imagine a lot of clubs try and hold us to ransom on, on what we're going to pay for players. I, I think we have got a bit of a, um, a bit of a policy there in place. Look at something like Crystal Palace. They're paying some of their guys like 100k a week plus. And I don't think they're seeing the results on the field. I'm, I'm glad we're not... We still pay players a fantastic wage, but um, we're not We're not silly. We've got some sort of rules, some sort of, some sort of process in place, so as we're not sort of held to ransom. And I kind of, I kind of respect that. I like that. Yeah, I, I, I tend to think that we will maybe possibly start seeing uh, teams do what Napoli did to us, which is tack on that that percentage of the sell-on fee, you know, and that, cause that could, I think, I think we have, we do have the reputation of selling a lot of people. And if we come here and we can just give them the, the help develop the one or two tools that, that players need to, uh, to kind of really improve. Um, and then they get sold on for, you know, a, a pretty decent sum, then I think teams are going to want a piece of that because they're afraid to kind of, you know, miss out on, on the money. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so. I mean, for me, I've got one foot in the past here. Cause just you saying, us here who bought Gabriadini from Napoli. You know, I grew up, you know, taping games. When, when Sky first came out, I used to do Italian football in like the early 90s. And I remember they, you know, Napoli had Maradona and Kureka and all these fantastic players. And it was just such, there's such glamorous world. The idea that we're buying players off Napoli. Now, of course, I know things have changed now. The, the Premier League, the way it is, means a club like Southampton. And I saw this posted somewhere. Maybe you've seen it, Matthew, that in, in the list of, you know, richest clubs in Europe. Saints are quite high up there because of the the, the, the leverage of the Premier League. Yeah. So when you put it into that context, actually, you can say, Mark, quit living in the past. You know, Diego Maradona is an old man now. He doesn't play for Napoli, and <laughs> football landscapes has changed, and we should we should expect more. So there is a balance there. Yeah, Saints. I like our policy, but I think I think I don't mind some people moaning. I think it's good to have people doing that um, to try and have that conversation. I hope next year, well, have a good end of season this year, but I, I, I really hope we take the, the cup seriously. You look at the FA Cup, we lost, what, 5-0 to Arsenal. We put out a, a real young side, inexperienced side, and you think, had we won that game, you know, we would have had Sutton and then Lincoln, two non-league teams, and then we're at Wembley for the semi-final because the FA Cup finals are played at Wembley. Now, you know, some people might say, oh, come on, you either give you the chance or you don't. And I think I think that night, you know, the idea was, oh, we'll give, you know, we've got a game against Swansea on, I think it was on a Tuesday. This is a Saturday game. We're uh-huh. going to, we're going to, we're never going to say weakened team, but uh, uh, we're going to rest some of our players. What happened? We got absolutely steamrolled by Arsenal. 
And then we lost to Swansea. I think we lost to Swansea on a Tuesday, so it backfired. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think let's let's okay, okay, make a couple of changes. But I mean, I know a few pounds who've taken their young kids, six, seven, to you know watch the Arsenal game. And of course, I'm not suggesting the club have to have to answer to the fans and their seven-year-old kids. But come on, you know uh, that that was an opportunity there, and I think I could have picked a few. Uh, more, you can't just throw eleven young players in. You've got to have some experience, because that was an opportunity, and that's that's the that's the that's the next level, really, isn't it? The big teams, particularly Man United in their heyday, they're able to go at all competitions and try and win them all. And I think I, I think that's what I'd like to see from from Saints. I'm not suggesting we're going to win everything, but be a bit more pragmatic. Think, okay, we've got a cup game today, and we've got this game on Tuesday, and say Gabbiadini's got a thigh strain. Okay, what's the situation? Maybe maybe we can put him on the bench for the cup game and we can get ten minutes out of him if we need him. But let's let's rather than just think, let's rest them all. I think I think um, I think you know if you're a fan, the cup run's the best thing. It's fantastic. It, it it's given fans a real lift. I think getting to that final. So let's see what happens next year. Yeah, there's something different about a knockout competition versus a a year long slog that you go through. You know that there's got to be there's a little bit of a different energy behind each of those FA Cup games and i i in in the US it definitely gets de- the it gets downplayed it, it's you know people they always say people don't play their strongest sides and all that stuff but really i mean you watch some of those games you watch i mean i remember watching Liverpool Exeter and i think i want to say it finished 1-1 or 0-0 last year i think yeah i think it was it might have been yeah, I definitely remember seeing that. It was it was a, it was a draw, wasn't it? They went back to Liverpool. Yeah, but I mean yeah. that Exeter side, they those fans there when they were playing on that you know that that crappy almost looked like a park pitch. It was uh, yes, yeah. It, I mean those fans are never going to forget that, and and I think that's that's that says something about you know even where Sutton got where they lost to Arsenal. I mean their fans are always going to say like we remember that match and for more than one reason because of you know what got tagged as like pie gate and all that other stuff. But it's uh, yeah. there, there's something different about that versus them just going through their normal, their normal league football. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's another point here to make Matthew because the TV companies in England always bring out the old chestnut of, of the romance of the cup, the magic of the cup. Um, because, you know, back in the seventies and certainly eighties, there was hardly any football on TV. The FA Cup final was one of the few games on TV, so it was a big deal. Okay. So they like to use that as their, their marketing for it, which is cool. And a lot of their pundits will get irritated when teams don't pick their strongest teams again, which is cool. What's quite hypocritical, I think, is when, having said all that, they choose to just to, to choose the, you know, the, the Man United game as opposed to. Uh, there, was, there was a game between Lincoln and I think it was Lincoln and Brighton, a Lincoln and non-league. That game wasn't televised. Surely that game should have been televised. Man United's in the FA Cup, they've had, I think they've had 56 consecutive FA Cup games broadcast live on TV, <laughs> which I think goes back to, it might even go back to 2005 or 10. Jeez. Now, that's fine. That's fine. But just be honest. Yeah, we're putting this on TV because we get bigger viewing figures. I, I get irritated when the TV companies go, yeah, the romance of the Cup, the romance of the Cup. And then they don't show the game. Again, I'm being maybe being a bit critical because during the, the this is the FA Cup, not the League Cup. Saints got to the final, but the FA Cup, you have, right? The, the big t- the, the Premier League teams don't come into the third round, so 
during the first two rounds, BBC will show like um, some of the non-league games. But I just feel that they could be a bit clearer sometimes on their on their policy on, on on selecting games if they're going to insist on this sort of mandate of the romance of the cup. Then surely, if it's real romance of the cup, that should apply to the TV schedules. And when they're choosing their their televised game, surely it should be for the, the lowest ranked team to reward their achievement of getting to that round. If you see what I mean. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. God, I'm off my I'm off my soapbox now. I got rolled up there. <laughs> like I, this is awesome. I, I'm I'm enjoying this. So I don't know. So we're out of you know no more cup competitions for us this year. Uh, you know I think we have eleven, ten, eleven, twelve games left uh, in the Premier League. And you said earlier you'd be okay with uh, like a mid table finish and a cup win. Uh, and we had the deep cup run. But what you know what would make a successful season for you as a Saints fan uh, this season? Oh, I think it's just the basic stuff, Matthew. Just some some momentum, just some spirit. I mean, what can happen, what can happen, particularly when the clocks change in England? End of March, the clocks go back. So now they spring forward. They spring forward an hour in March and players are starting to think about their holidays. You often hear if a team gets thrashed at that time of the season, they, the joke is, oh, they're already on the beach. I think us to finish the season hard, not just to not just take our foot off the pedal. And I think the fact that we're, we're not in a relegation battle, but because we're maybe not as high as we think we should be, and we perhaps feel motivated and riled by losing the cup final, but just to finish the season strongly, show some real commitment, and just finish as high as we can, really. Um, I don't think we're due to lose any players. You know, I think Van Dyke is, it would appear, is going to stay another year. Yeah, I think that, I think the injury may have change that just a bit you know uh, and, and that's just pure speculation on my part but if he is injured i think pe- people are going to want to make sure he's the same player afterwards that that he was yeah i mean again reading in between the lines it just feels like he'd have seen a lot of players move on and maybe their club have said to him look why don't you play another year reputation can grow more and rather than make a, a move to liverpool why not i mean I, I think he's good enough to play for barcelona oh, i really do yeah yeah I mean, you know, they've got um, Mascarano sort of playing defensively. He's a very good holding midfielder, but Van Dyke's twice as tall. But he can, he's not. He's a huge unit. He's physical, but he can also play football as well. I think he could play. For, I think he could play for them easily. So, so maybe the club of, I don't know. I've got no idea how these conversations go behind behind the scenes. But <laughs> right. said, uh, maybe that's what's been animated there. That. Stay, stay for another year, and then make the big, big move. I, I, I'll be honest that I'm, I like defense more than than just about any other aspect of any any match, any game. Doesn't matter the sport. I like defense, and uh, you know, I, I fell in love with uh, Alderweireld and 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 Font, and you know, yeah. then to when they brought Van Dyke in, it just, I mean, it made my, I, I love. Oh. That's the biggest that compliment you can pay him, can't you? Because when Toby left, he wasn't almost was very long, but you know it was quite a drawn out affair because he was—I can't remember the scenario now. He was from Atletico Madrid, wasn't he? But it was a loan, and we couldn't make the move permanent. But a lot of fans were devastated. But that's the biggest compliment you can play Van Dyke is that um, people have forgotten quite quickly. We're able to replace. It does beg the question: Why weren't other clubs? I mean, he was playing for Celtic. I know it's not as if it's a small club. It was just. Uh, Never quite understand why other other teams weren't monitoring him. Yeah, mystery it, really. 
and I th- you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we we've, we've gotten a f- quite a few players from from Celtic, right? Yeah, Fraser Forster. Um, and is that where Wanyama came from, or is he from somewhere else? Yeah, he was, wasn't he? And again, you know, I think the biggest compliment you can play um, Oriol, you know, in the centre of midfield there is that, uh, you know, he people don't really talk about Wanyama. You know, we've, it was it was like, oh, no, we're going to lose him. He's our midfield enforcer. And now he's, he's been replaced. He's been more than adequately, adequately replaced. Yeah, and, I mean, with the change in formation that we had earlier in the year, Romeo was having to, to do that job on his own without help, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think... I think he's been outstanding, really, yeah. And he's, uh, we don't want to get too technical, he, he just seems to be able to put in the same amount of work, have the same amount of effectiveness without picking up the red cards that Wanyama. <laughs> he was always liable to just throw in a bit of a totally sort of, you know, wild challenge you'd sort of see at the park. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, you know, fair play to him. He's probably making a lot more money at Spurs, but he's not playing all the time, is he? So... No, no, and I mean that that Spurs team, uh, you know, with the Arsenal friend that we all have. I like to have a good Spurs talking point just to just to kind of get them riled up a bit. So yeah, uh, exactly. But I mean, I, I remember seeing one of the I can't remember which of the tabloid journalists said this, but when when Tottenham went out of Europe a few weeks back, they said about um, Pochettino. You know, when's he going to lose his cake? His cape. You know, the suggestion is he's been touted as this great young manager. But he's he's under pressure. He's going to have to convert some silverware there at some point. Um, otherwise, you know, time moves on. They'll they'll want the next bright, shiny thing. You know, as manager. And thank you to both Mark and Alan for uh, for being on the show. And, and that's it. That's that's the episode. You know, we didn't get three points against Tottenham. I didn't get my dream interview. I don't know why it's a dream interview when it's just a 7 a.m. drunk guy. But um, I didn't really, you know, whatever. It, it, it didn't happen. But taking a step back and looking at everything, I, I think it was great. I think it worked out. I think the timing is fine. I think the fact that the international break is is here. Gabbiadini has some time to recover. Uh, I think it's all good. And to be honest, as a U.S. fan, um, the U.S. men's national team has some important matches coming up, uh, and I am excited to uh, to kind of sit back and, and watch them watch them play. So uh, I hope that you all enjoyed the episode. I hope that you will subscribe to our feed in iTunes or on Google Play or Acast or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcast. Um, be sure to follow the show on Twitter at SFC D E L L underscore I V E R Y. That's at SFC Delivery. Uh, you can always email the show. The link to that is in the show notes and. The link to both Mark and Alan and St. Mary's Musings and the Saints Foundation and Mark's Just Giving page and basically everything else are all in the show notes. So uh, be sure to check those out. I, I do write things in there uh, that help maybe kind of give you some more information on what we talked about on the show. So we will be back next week with another episode. I'll be talking with Blake Hampton, who writes about the team and his in the midst of developing a podcast of his own. So we'll talk all about that and take a look at uh, whatever stuff has happened over the international break up until then. And then, of course, we return uh, to action with Southampton against Bournemouth, which is, quote, not a derby. Right? Pretty sure that's right. So thank you once again for tuning into the show and remember that together we march on.